Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4.16. 2 Corinthians 4.16. The way to remember that is 2. You, if you get a 2, then 2 times 2 is 4. You know, right? Right? And then, so 2 Corinthians 4, and then you 4 times 4 is 16, right? See, I have to play tricks like that to remember stuff. But uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16, um, on Friday afternoon, I got home. And I got home, was anxious to see my family, and, and I... I got out of the car, and then as soon as I got out of the car, I heard and saw a helicopter hovering uh, directly overhead, right over, over our house. Now, that's unusual, very unusual, because that's usually where, like, I mean, military jets fly over our house. <laughs> like, well, that's something's up, something's weird. And I watched it, and it just sat there for a long time, just barely moving around, and it became very clear to me that... Uh, they were observing something on the ground nearby, so I pull up my phone. Thank God for new technology that you can just figure out what's happening around you. And sure enough, uh, about 500 yards from my house over on Interstate 20, there had been a horrible accident, and both sides of the freeway had been shut down for several hours. From what I understand, a tractor trailer had collided with a pickup, literally crushing it. And uh, two innocent men lost their lives few hundred yards from my house on Friday afternoon and I just I mean I just like stood there in the front yard for a few minutes after I realized what had happened and Ian was with me and I thought man this is just those feelings of this is so wrong it, it, does, it doesn't make sense and I, I stood there just and kind of feeling helpless you're sad and, and knowing that two families are devastated and th these men were probably just driving to a job, you know, to earn a living for themselves and for their families, and, and then their lives were snatched away in an instant, and they may not have even known what was happening when it happened. And then all I could do was whisper a prayer at that point, really, for the families. And I realized they may not even know yet that these men were in this tragedy. Which raises a question, why does God allow suffering. I'm going to talk about that today. Now, I want to tell you up front, I don't know everything. I don't ever act like I know. I'm not the answer man for anything. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a seeker of truth just like you are. But I have found one thing is that Jesus Christ is truth, and that's always a great place to start. Now, but some people will say that unjust suffering is basically a philosophical problem so they'll call into to question even the very existence of god uh, but for really many people though unjust suffering becomes a very intense uh, personal issue you may not care about the abstract question as to whether god exists or not but you may have uh, refused god to proceed in your life considering the pain and the suffering that you've seen around you, that you've experienced personally, or you've even seen or read about in the history of the world. A few years ago, there was this horrible, horrible catastrophe in the Indian Ocean. It was the big Indian Ocean tsunami uh, about 12 years ago. 
claimed 300,000 lives. And at that time, headlines began to ask this question, where was God? In fact, one reporter wrote these words, and I quote, he says, if God is God, then God is not good. If God is good, then he's not God. You can't have it both ways, especially after the Indian Ocean catastrophe. And this type of thinking has a lot of people very, very confounded. So today, I'm just going to attempt to peel back some layers and attempt to genuinely engage this question. But I also want to propose something. I want to propose that suffering is not evidence against God. You see, trying to demonstrate that evil disproves the existence of God is actually like driving down a road to where there's a dead end because it doesn't work. And, and I'm not the only one who says this. In fact, almost all sides of this issue have now conceded basically that there's no foundation for such a claim. A lot of this was stirred up when J.L. Mackey wrote uh, something in his book called The Miracle of Theism. And he wrote these words. He says, if a good and powerful God exists, he would not allow pointless evil. But because there is much unjustifiable, pointless evil in the world, the traditional good and powerful God cannot exist. Some other God or no God may exist, but not the traditional God. But now not just me, but other philosophers even have said that there's a huge flaw in Mackey's reasoning. Another famous author who was the spiritual mentor of J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, this man by the name of C.S. Lewis, he wrote these words. He said, My argument against God was that the universe seemed cruel and unjust. But how had I got the idea of whatever is just and unjust? What I was comparing this universe, what was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? Of course, I could have given up my idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own. But if I did that, then my argument against God would collapse too. Because the argument depended upon saying that the world was really unjust. Not simply that it did not happen to please my private fancies. So he says, consequently, uh, atheism basically turns out to be way too simple. You see, tuck, tucked away in this type of reasoning is the assertion that if evil is pointless to me, then it must be pointless in general. Just, just because you can't see a purpose in the suffering doesn't mean there's no purpose in it. Basically, if you take that position, you become a skeptic who actually has enormous faith in your own position. In other words, if our finite minds cannot plumb the depths 
of the universe and find a reason for suffering, then there must not be a reason for it. To be quite honest with you, this has to be one of the highest degrees of blind faith that even exists in this world. I want to illustrate it to you this way, in a way that only a good North Texan would understand, especially someone from Fort Worth. If I look across the field, and I'm looking for a longhorn, and if I don't see one, then it would be safe to say there's not a longhorn in the field, right? Right. But if I look across that same field in search of a chigger, and I don't see any chiggers, then is it not also safe to assume there are no chiggers in the field? Well, of course not. There may be hundreds of thousands in the field, and you go running through that field, there, yeah, you, you sure did assess it right that there was not a longhorn, but you will find out about 24 to 48 hours later that there were plenty of chiggers in that field. But in the same way, many people assume that if there was a good reason for suffering and evil in the world, but they don't see the reason, then the reason doesn't exist. They're basically treating it like a chigger. You don't see it, so it's not there. Well, just because you can't see a reason for suffering doesn't exhaust the possibility that there is a reason for it. So really, this argument doesn't even hold up. It doesn't hold up against logic, nor does it even hold up against experience. In the Bible, there's a man by the name of Paul, and Paul was a man who killed Christians, and he was later transformed by God, and, and he became the, the most powerful, uh, greatest church planter that we know of in the Bible. And he wrote a really interesting description about how to process suffering and pain. In fact, he wrote a lot about that. And, and he said this, and this is in the Bible where we're looking at, 2 Corinthians 4.16, and this is something I encourage you to have marked in your Bibles. He says, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, that means what you see on the outside is wasting away, even our bodies. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed every day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And this is good right here. So it says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. And that means not, we don't fix our eyes on the problems that we see. We don't focus on that. Instead, we focus on what is unseen because whatever we see is temporary. Whatever is unseen is eternal. So Paul makes it clear that when, when bad things happen and even our bodies waste away, but we're only focusing on what we can see and touch and feel right at this moment, then that is actually the depth of narrow-mindedness. Because God's eternal, and everything in this world is temporary. In fact, it becomes rather clear to me also that suffering is really evidence for God. You might say, Pastor, you, you've lost it. No, actually, it's, it's really there. And I want to show you. Who, first of all, here's the question. Who, who was Jesus? Well, Jesus was God in human flesh. Yet the story of Jesus told four times over in the Bible shows that he was a man who suffered, and he suffered greatly. But his pain had a purpose. 
But even when the pain intensified, Jesus tried to avoid the suffering just like we do because it's the instinct of man to live pain-free. We all want that. Instead, what he did is he embraced the suffering, he embraced the pain, and he clung to the agony of the cross, knowing that there was still a higher purpose, even though he didn't really want to do it. In fact, what's interesting is in our faith is we actually celebrate that. We celebrate the pain and the suffering. That's central to our faith. It's called Holy Communion. Early this morning, went over to our communion table. I partook of communion, thinking about this right here, the pain and the suffering of my God. Take the bread. The bread represents, that little cracker represents his body that was beaten, bruised, pulverized, broken. The wine represents his blood that flowed from him. That's our faith. And because of his suffering, we actually have healing. We have salvation. We have the hope of the future. Suffering actually has always been at the very center of our faith. And there's nothing that's hidden in the scriptures about this. This is all clear and it's up front because the, the scriptures really in no way attempt to mask this truth. In reality, to think even more deeply about it, if there were no pain, if there was no suffering, if none of that existed, there would be no reason for our faith. There wouldn't be a reason to show compassion. There would never be a reason to be generous. In fact, there wouldn't even be a reason to love because nobody would ever get hurt. So basically, the reasoning of this all falls apart. Yet on the other hand, some of you have greatly suffered. Uh, Some of you, you're, you're suffering right now. And we may not know what the answer is, but we do know what the answer is not. It, it can't be that Jesus doesn't love us. It, it can't be that, that Jesus is just detached and he's unconcerned about our condition because Jesus himself took on suffering. If God experienced the terrible mystery of the suffering and death of his son Jesus, then how is evil and suffering evidence against God? Because ultimately, The answer to suffering and evil is found in the incarnation and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And through Jesus, we can offer the world the hope of of some consolation, even in the midst of our own suffering. And we can offer people that hope of restoration. What's amazing is it's not just some temporary solution that's going to numb the pain, but it's actually this indestructible promise that that in God's time, everything will be restored through Jesus and that eternity does exist and it is a place where there is no suffering or pain and that is the greatest reality. At the same time, I know we still suffer with the why of suffering and pain and We just don't see the purpose when it's right in front of us and it's happening to us. Paul one time had unlocked a purpose in some of his suffering and pain. In fact, he says this. He he said, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, this is actually the purpose of his pain, to keep him from being conceited. Uh, He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a thorn would hurt, a messenger of Satan to 
torment me. Other scriptures say to buffet me. Boom, boom, boom. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. He prayed, he pleaded, he cried out to God to take it away from me. This hurts. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in the middle of your weakness, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your struggle. So Paul says, therefore, here's his conclusion, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. He says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults and, and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That yeah, is a paradox of sorts, but that's our faith. That's our hope. And I'm telling you guys, there is always hope in your pain. When I was a kid, one of my favorite Bible stories was the story of Joseph. Maybe it's because Joseph was a younger brother and had a bunch of older brothers. Maybe that was the issue, and I, 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 I just kind of connected with him. But, but, uh, but Joseph is a story that's in the book of Genesis, and Joseph really was an arrogant teen, and he was thrown into this pit by his brothers and rejected and left for dead. And then he was sold into this uh, life of suffering and slavery into Egypt. And Joseph, just like Paul, just like we read just a moment ago, he prayed and he cried out to God for deliverance, but it didn't come. And uh, Joseph actually spent years in bondage and misery. But during that time, his character and his resolve was refined. And eventually, through a bizarre set of circumstances, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. And in this position, Joseph then saved hundreds of thousands of lives, including his own families' lives from starvation. In fact, he rescued the same people who caused him unbelievable suffering and horrific pain. In fact, when you read the story, you see that he goes into a back room and he sobs and he sobs and he sobs as all the memories come back to him regarding what those people did to him. But if God had never allowed Joseph to experience the suffering, he never would have been able to be this most powerful agent of social justice in the history of the world because he brought reconciliation. He even brought spiritual healing. So honestly, Christianity is the only explanation that enables its followers to have hope and courage when you're in the middle of suffering and pain. Now, if you were to talk to anyone over the age of 50, pull them aside in this room, the few of us who are here at that age, they would most certainly tell you that the catalysts that have brought them the most success in life came as a result of horrible pain and suffering in their own lives. Pam, you're an example of that. See, some people also look back at an illness and they say, you know, that was a time of incredible personal and spiritual growth. Even when I think of illness, I think for me a couple of times that, that it just was a powerful time of advance for me. When I had pneumonia about 25 years ago, it was a terrible bout with pneumonia. I mean, what God deal with, dealt with me and, and what God did inside of me was amazing. Even my recent <laughs> episodes of broken bones on this leg 
it's resulted in incredible character development for Tim. Even though at the time of physical pain or even other painful times in my life, I've, I have felt like God was a million miles away, I'll be honest. Sometimes I felt like God had forgotten me, but, but he hadn't. God was with me. In fact, Jesus is God with us. In fact, that's his name. God with us, even in the middle of our suffering. Jesus' name, do you know His name is actually called Emmanuel. Now, I didn't say Manuel, because I know that here in Fort Worth, you might think Manuel, okay, no, 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 I said Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel, which means God's with, God is with us in the middle of our pain. A few weeks ago, Rebecca and I, uh, we sat next to a lady on a plane by the name of Marlene Elias. Didn't take long before conversation ensued and we were still on the ground at the airport and discovered that she was an entertainer. And she'd also been very close friends with Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa is the late Catholic saint who dedicated her life to helping the poor of Calcutta, India, which is one of the world's most impoverished megacities. And for 30 hours on that plane, I was sitting next to her and I was literally enthralled with the stories that Marlene told us. I wanted to write them down, but at that point I was like, it's rude. I just want to keep listening to the stories. I've never talked to, I've never been close to a personal friend of Mother Teresa. And this lady witnessed it all firsthand. Her stories were incredible. I wanted to share them all over the next five years. That's how long it would take. But she said one day, Right across the street from the convent, a man was laying on the sidewalk. To make her very detailed, long story brief, the man was infected. Um, he was dying. In fact, hundreds of maggots were swarming all over his body. It was a disgusting sight, yet he was still barely alive. Mother Teresa saw that he was alive and with some help, picked up the man as they picked him up Marlene says that some of his flesh literally peeled off sticking to the pavement and they carried this rotting yet living corpse of a man inside and there Mother Teresa began to meticulously remove every single maggot for hours until she got them all out while telling the man over and over everything's going to be okay the man uh, a Hindu was asking why are you doing this why are you being so kind to me Mother Teresa simply replied that it's because of Jesus and she continued taking maggots she, she even said out of his eyes A little bit later, Marlene says, tears filled the man's eyes and he, he wanted to know this Jesus that would make someone do this. And in his state of suffering, a smile came over his faith as he gave his life to Jesus and only seconds later, he left his rotting body with that smile still there, moved into eternity. I'm telling you guys, suffering can be the catalyst for your biggest miracle. And there's no amount of suffering and pain that can alienate you from God. Paul says it this way also. He said, 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. And then he goes on to say, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, the present, nor the future, or any powers, or height, or depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So in your greatest pain, Jesus can become more real and more alive than you can ever imagine. In the Old Testament, there's this story of David and um, he wasn't yet the king, and he was going through a really, really painful time. His story just goes on and on about really how all hell was breaking loose in his life. And why would it happen to such a good, godly man? But it was. In fact, everything was going wrong up to the point where this other king of this other land was going to take him and, and, and have him killed. And so he acted like he was crazy. He started foaming at the mouth and, and falling down on the ground and mumbling a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Put on a show for him just to, it's like, God, rescue me from this. But during this time, in fact, right after that particular time, he penned these words of poetry. And these are words of poetry that I've even put to memory for my own life. And I remember I put them to memory during that time when I had pneumonia. As this, it says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. See, if trouble's surrounding you, it's not because God's angry with you. It's not because you've let him down, so he's going to show you. No. Suffering and pain happen, and, and, and you may be suffering, and you may be in great pain, but God, my God, is actually there to help you and to deliver you, like David said, even from all your troubles, all. And, and on top of that, God will then use your suffering, and he's going to use that pain for a greater purpose, although right now you can't see it. But be assured, be assured of this. Your suffering is not in vain. I'll be the first to say, I don't like pain. <laughs> I don't like pain any more than the rest of you. I don't like knowing that my wife's mother is struggling with the pain of stage four bone cancer and her spine is beginning to crumble. I don't like trials. I don't enjoy tough times. And I don't understand it all. Back when I was in high school, Things shifted for my family between my junior and my senior year. My family had hardly any income, therefore causing me to change my plans for my senior year. So I enrolled in a work-study program where I was able to work 40 hours a week, go to school for three hours, get enough credits, wrap it up, so I could work a full-time job and earn money at a local grocery store yet at the same time that would enable me to bring home groceries for my family. And guys, it was hard. I was Mr. Extracurricular up until my senior year. When I got to become a senior, extracurricular meant the job. But I developed a work ethic through that. Through that, I learned how to honor my parents 
in the middle of their pain, which then became my pain. And I chose to make the best of a really tough situation, and my faith was increased. And I will be honest with you to that now, but I'm a better man today because of that. You know, Jesus' younger brother, his name is James, a man who watched his brother be executed and crucified, wrote these words. Interesting that it would come from the brother of Jesus, his little brother. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds, many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I think the key words there are those first two, consider it. In other words, this is good now here. <laughs> this is good. If I'm going to amen myself, I'm going to amen myself right here, all right? The key words are consider it. In other words, make the decision to have joy even though you're not happy. You see, being happy is what happens when, when uh, the circumstances turn out good. Someone gives you a gift, you're happy. You sing happy birthday because it's your birthday. It's, a, it's the circumstances that make you happy. But you can have joy even when you're not happy. And it's a decision. Because you know that you're going to be a better person when it's all over. And God does have a plan through it. And He's going to carry you. i like for right now for there to be no movement and I want you guys to just focus internally. Will you do that? Have you, have you been doubting Jesus? Has pain, suffering, trials and difficulties pulled you down? Well, if so, I want to pray for you. I want to pray a big prayer for you. You receive this prayer right now. Jesus, I pray right now for you to pour your strength into your people. I pray to increase hope and faith and bring perseverance and wisdom and, and joy. For even though a righteous person may have many troubles, you do deliver us out of them all. For our suffering is not in vain. And nothing, nothing, no pain, no struggle, no agony, no suffering will ever separate us from you and your love. Nothing. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Also, if you're here today, You've heard me talking about Jesus and it keeps striking a chord in you and you've never really given your life completely over to Jesus or maybe even over the course of your life you've drifted from, from the Lord. You want to change that today. You, you really want to know this Jesus that I keep talking about. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord, the, the director, the CEO of your life, if you'd like to put him in charge of your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer, I'm simply going to ask that you lift your hand. It's going to be very simple. I'm just going to count of three. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. When you lift your hand, I'm going to see your hand. I can connect my faith with yours. And we can pray together. And everything can change for you today.
for eternity. This can be the best day of your life, no matter how low it is. That's the paradox of our faith and the beauty of our faith. I'm going to give you this opportunity to respond now. Lift your hand to receive Jesus. Let your sins be forgiven, and you're moving forward with life. As we continue to pray, who will say that today I need Jesus? One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Come on, lift your hand. Lift your hand very quickly. Thank you. Who else? I need Jesus today. You can put your hand down now. Who else? I need Jesus today. Thanks. Thank you. Who else? Church, I want us all to stand up. And if you lifted your hands, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to mean it. Everyone in here, though, believers, I want you to pray this prayer with me as well. And, and, and we're going to pray this, and we're going to mean this from the bottom of our hearts. Will you pray with me? Come on, come on. Dear Jesus, come on, say it out. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the expansive future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for joy in the middle of pain, for hope in the middle of suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.